Broadcasting live from the Wellness Wonderland, you're listening to the Wellness Wonderland Radio. I'm Katie, and each week I chat with the most inspirational people on the planet on how to stay inspired in all areas of life. As you listen, feel free to tweet at me, at Katie Dalebout, or use the hashtag Wellness Wonderland. I'd love to hear your aha moments. So grab your headphones and listen on the go, or cuddle up with a notebook as we dive in deep with authentic conversations right here in Wonderland. Welcome back, guys, to another week of the podcast. I'm so excited to get into this week's episode with the founder and CEO of Mind Body Green. He's here in the Wellness Wonderland, and he's going to talk to you about his new book and starting Mind Body Green and a bunch of other things. It's a really great conversation, but before I get into that, I want to give you some announcements as usual. So number one, my book is out in, oh gosh, like two weeks, two weeks. It's crazy. So make sure that you pre-order the book to get lots of bonuses. I haven't really been talking about the bonuses much, but if you pre-order the book, you can get different bonuses at different levels. So if you get two books, one for you and a friend, you get a certain thing. If you get three books, you get other things. So it's, it's really cool. Just go over to my website. The link is in the show notes, but the book page of my website, all the info's there. But some of the bonuses, just to give you a preview, if you order two books, you get three exclusive interviews. And one is with friend of the podcast, friend of me personally, Jordan Bach, one with Aaron Stutland, who's been on the podcast twice, one with Nancy Levin, all about journaling and their relationship with journaling. And they're, they're really great interviews. I, I love all of those people. So they're fantastic. And another thing you can get is a free wonder fragrance, my fragrance with good medicine. You can get a free one at one of the levels and there's PDF guides. One is the deleted tracks I'm calling, which is basically the tools, the journaling tools from the book that didn't make it into the book, not because they weren't good, but because I thought of them after the book had already gone to print. So there's a bunch of really cool things you can get. So check that out all over at my website. Grab a copy of the book for you, grab one for a friend, grab one for another friend, grab one for a couple friends, whatever you want to do. And if you want to see me, if you want to hang out with me, if you want to meet me, I will be in New York City the week the book comes out, the week of April 5th, that's the day the book comes out, and on April 5th, I'm doing a live podcast with my friend Christy Harrison, and we're having a bunch of special guests, and we will be hanging out and doing a podcast that day, which is going to be Really, really fun. So if you want to get tickets for that, again, info on my website, info in the show notes, and make sure you go there, grab tickets. They're only $10, but you should really grab one, grab one for your friend. A bunch of people are actually coming in for this, so a lot of my friends are going to be there. It's just going to be a really great time. The next day, that's a Tuesday, on the next day, April 6th, on that Wednesday, that's the actual book launch party. And... Gabby Bernstein and Jordan Bach are co-hosting that for me at Ginger Snap Organic, and we're going to be there hanging out, signing books. There's not tickets for that. A lot of you have been asking. Um, No tickets, except the ticket is the price of the book. So just bring the price of the book, and I'll have books there available, and you can just buy a book there, and then that way you don't have to carry it there, and I can sign it, and Gabby can sign it because she wrote the foreword, and you can have Jordan sign it because he's in it, I think, and, you know, we can all just hang out and give hugs, and it'll be a great time. So you should definitely come there, bring all your friends. And then on that Thursday, I'm actually going to be on a panel talkback after my friend's performance show. She's doing a one-woman show, and it's about 
eating disorders. So it's going to be really, really cool. I don't really actually know what to expect, but myself and Christy are going to be on the Talkback panel after, and that's on Thursday night. I'll put the link to that in the show notes as well. If you're in town, if you want to come, you're invited, and it's going to be a really cool show. She seems like a really cool person. So I'm really excited to be in New York City. It's going to be a great time. I'm most excited to meet all of you guys and I'm really excited about this episode. So if you want to help support the show, great way to do it is, you know, to buy the book. A great way to do it is to leave a review on iTunes or to tell a friend about this episode. This episode in particular is really great about balance. It's really great about making your life as a whole really awesome, not just your resume, not just your body, not just your career, but your life as a whole. And I think it's a really important message. And we talk a lot about balance and moderation. And you're just really going to like this interview with Jason. So I'll just let Jason take it away. Here we go. Have a great week, you guys. And I hope to talk to you soon and see a lot of you in New York. Welcome back, guys. Today on the podcast, I have someone that I've been following for years and I'm so excited to talk to, founder and CEO of Mind Body Green and author of the really great book, Wealth, How I Learned to Build a Life, Not a Resume, Jason Walkup. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. So first of all, like I told you before we started recording, congrats on your new book. That's huge. Um, but before we get into the book, I would love, which I genuinely love, like I said, but I'd love to talk to you about where you got your start and really zoom the lens back. And I know you've talked about it a bunch of times, but I think your story is so fascinating. And I'd love to for you to talk a little bit about how you got to where you are. I know specifically you were a college basketball player, so I'd love to hear a little bit about your time with that and what that experience taught you that you've taken into your life now. Sure. Lots of good ones in there. Uh, yeah, sorry. So, lots of questions. So, so yes, uh, I played basketball at Columbia from 1994 to 1998. So uh, a while ago, um, you know, I think a couple of the major takeaways I learned from playing basketball. Uh, one, I, I think you learn a lot about, uh, in my case, I learned a lot about losing. Uh when I first got to Columbia, we were terrible and ended up uh, actually being a decent team when I left. Uh, but you know, early on, we, we lost a lot. And my coach, Armand Hill, who is actually now an assistant coach with the Los Angeles Clippers, uh, used to always say, you know, you learn a lot about losing. One is like, do you, can you bounce back? Like it can be contagious. Uh, you can't become complacent with losing. You can't accept it. Uh, and it's hard sometimes to bounce back when you're losing a lot. Uh, and so like, what, what can you learn and how can you, and how can you grow from it? And how can you not accept it? Like, it's not okay. It's something you don't want to get used to. Uh, and then the second major takeaway was, you know, how do you handle it? Uh, do you blame other people? Do you, you know, hide in a corner or do you accept responsibility? Like, do you lose as a team? You know, do you, can you rise above it? And so those are some, you know, major lessons. Uh, you know, I, I, also a lot of simple things, which I think I learned from playing sports, like showing up on time, showing up on time, 
uh, you know, work ethic. You know, my coach would always say, you can't, you know, in practice, you know, sometimes you, you go through the motions and my, and my coach would be all over us when that would happen because you can't, you can't turn things on and off. Like you can't show up and practice and not really put forth effort and then start to, you know, think you can turn it on in the game. Like, you know, you can't, you can't turn on and off, you, you know, yeah. in terms of sports, you know, you need, if you're, if you're playing hard, you know, you got to play hard all the time. Um, and so moving on to the wellness journey, so, you know, I left Columbia and in 1998, there weren't really, uh, startups, uh, what most people did back then was go to Wall Street, or if they had grades, maybe they became an attorney, or if they had an aptitude for science or medicine, maybe went, they went to med school. And so I decided to work on Wall Street and become a trader. Um, I never had money growing up, really, and that was something that was attractive to me. And had a lot of friends who were traders and thought, like, all right, this is cool. It sounds like you know it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's very competitive, you know, a lot of athletes went to, went on to become traders because, uh, you know, it, it, it's like you're continuing to play, you know, very competitive every day is like a new game. Um, so I became a trader and, you know, shortly after did, did pretty well financially. Um, but here I was, you know, finally made enough money to pay off my school debt and you know buy my mother a car and have all this you know financial freedom and it was like the worst month of my life uh my relationship was falling apart and you know this juxtaposition like this contrast uh you know all of a sudden i've got all this money and that yet like my relationship is falling apart and i'm miserable and it just like became so clear uh money doesn't buy happiness and just that really hit home and you know here i was my whole life thinking like i wanted this thing and then i had it and then it, it just i was empty and so um shortly left trading a couple years later and decided to become an entrepreneur and you know various startups um some you know you do learn more from the the ones that don't work out, it's not a cliche. And um, found myself flying 150,000 miles domestic in a year, running, I was running an organic chocolate chip cookie company that was in every Whole Foods market in the country. And the flying combined with stress and an old basketball injury led to two extruded discs. And you're my, super tall. Yeah, six foot seven coach seat, not fun. Um, so I had two extruded discs pressing on my static nerve, excruciating pain. Oh, man. My right leg, my right leg was like a lightning rod. And it was terrible. And I couldn't walk and, you know, went to a surgeon and he said, did the MRI and X-ray and said, you know, you need, you need back surgery. So I was like, okay, you know, nothing against surgery, but something I generally want to avoid. So sought a second opinion. Uh, he said the same thing, you need, you need back surgery. And it was almost like an afterthought. He said, you know, yoga might help. And so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll try some yoga. So I started doing like some light yoga, 10 to 15 minutes in the morning and at night. Um, and then, um, you know, started to feel better. And sort of down this path, and I started looking at things like spirituality and stress and nutrition and the environment, and I made a lot of changes in my life, and yoga was a big part of it. And 
over the course of a few months, I completely healed. So I never got back surgery. And so I was like, holy shit, everyone's got health wrong. Every, mm -hmm. you know, everyone thinks it's about vanity and weight loss. And I, I looked really good at the time, but I was falling apart. Uh, and I said, you know, everyone's got this wrong. The solution to health, it's more nuanced. It's more holistic. It's East meets West. It's this lifestyle, mind, body, green. Mm -hmm. And then had the idea for the site and the rest is sort of history. Cool. That was amazing. You just answered like eight of the questions that I had down. And no, it's great. No, it's perfect. And I have a bunch of more stuff I want to pick up on in there. But when I actually, my family, a lot of people in my family have back pain. And I never really understood until I heard your interview about like how another interview of yours um, before today where you were talking about, you know, how that pain is so intense. It really helped me relate to that and it was so it's such a great story that yoga was able to help you heal that so yep. can you talk a little bit about um your yoga practice i know one of my other guests on the show one of my first guests tara styles was i think your first yoga teacher yeah tara was one of the first people at first she's i so was cool. yeah i love tara she's a dear friend and uh it was funny so like when i first healed my back uh I was just doing this at home. And so I healed my back and I'm like, oh my God, yoga is awesome. But I was also, I didn't want to go to start, I didn't want to go to public yoga classes because I'm like, I, I, I'm scared. Like, I'm fine. Like, I don't want to do anything to sort of screw yeah. up my back. And, you know, a lot of classes can be intimidating. And I, I didn't go until my wife actually, um, went to Strala to see Michael and Tara and, uh, and, and, and sort of gave me the cotton. Then I, I actually, I remember, I'll never forget, like Colleen went to the class and it was when Strala first opened and I was waiting outside watching. And then I, uh, walked in and, and met Michael and Tara and they like convinced me. I told them my story. Uh, they convinced me that Strala would be okay. <laughs> and I went and sort of never looked back and they became, you know, I became a regular at Strala and just really liked the way they focused on breath and movement and, and their attitude towards yoga and like I started going all the time and, you know, my practice evolved where I love Strala but then I started going other places and I was going to public yoga classes everywhere Um and then also what's interesting, you know, as my body green started to grow, I started to go less and less and then went from a place where I was going to public yoga classes like seven days a week to three times a week and then once a week. And then I remember having a moment where it was like six weeks had passed and I haven't been to yoga and I was like, what happened here? <laughs> uh, so now my practice is on the weekends, I will do about 15 of 20 minutes of yoga at home. And that always works. And, you know, now I meditate every day and I go back to the gym. I, I lift weights once a week. Uh, so it evolved. And it's this idea of, like anything in life, we evolve. Yeah. You know, our, our time commitments, our bodies, what we need. And so, you know, that's how my yoga practice has evolved. Well, I think that's great. And I think that's a really good point um, to kind of the next thing I wanted to talk to you about. And, and what I really thought of as the really big theme of your book overall, which I was so 
happy about and I have to be, which is balance and really finding yep. what works for you and going through different stages. And, you know, I have to be honest that, you know, when I first, um, when your publicist told me about the book, I was like really excited because I knew you. And like I said, I, I followed Mind Body Green. I'm a contributor and I love it, but I didn't really know what to expect. And I, you know, I have this background where I, have the type of personality that gets super into things and a couple of years ago my eating disorder turned into orthorexia so another book yep. on health and wellness would probably not be the best thing for me so I was like huh and then I checked it out and it was totally in line with what I preach on this show and what I'm so passionate about which is finding having health be inclusive and not this exclusivity that can sometimes be in the health and wellness world and that's really what mind body green is and that's so much what your book is and that's really what you were saying your yoga practice is so I would love if you could talk about that a bit and I you know I heard you say that you know you want a long time ago I I think I heard you say that like you wanted originally mind body green to be something that you know the people that you played basketball with who weren't into wellness or any of this sort of thing at all would really love and be interested in and entertained by. And yep. can you talk about that philosophy and how that bleeds into your book? Yeah, a couple things. Uh, a lot of good question. I have a lot of things there. Yeah, uh, I know. I keep asking you like 12 questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I guess I'll start with the, the last part. So in a lot of ways, you know, the book, Wealth, uh, is the book I wish I read 15 years ago. I wish it didn't exist. And it's this idea yeah. of, you know, one, I think it would have saved me thousands of dollars at Barnes and Noble. Um, but, you know, there tend to be books out there which are completely self-help or completely career or nutrition or fitness or relationships. And what I believe is, is you know, to, to truly be your best self, to truly be happy is a blend of mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, and environmental well-being. And like it's all those pillars, and you know, I, I wanted to write a book with a point of view and a voice that I think could speak to anyone, no matter what level they're at. And so th that was one of the reasons why I wrote the book uh, to cross over to people, to you know, not just preach the choir, but to build a bigger church. And so yeah. far, you know, I think we're receiving that feedback, which which is good. Um, and that is the idea of Mind Body Green. You know, I think. You know, we're, we're really good at sucking you in wherever you are in your wellness journey and then going deeper. So, like, once we have you in, uh, you know, you may want to go deeper and read longer form content or take a video course or, you know, explore different top, you know, different areas, different topics. And, you know, that that's that's what we're here, you know, to really make change and we're, we're, whatever lane you come through, you know, bring you in and then hopefully, you know, permeate through everything that you do. Um, so I think that that's, that's what we're good at yeah. to get to the back half of your question. Yeah. It worked on me. <laughs> good, good. And like this idea of like, you mentioned orthorexia and balance. So like, I'm a big believer in the middle path and, you know, I'll talk about it from a nutrition and exercise standpoint. And I'll also talk about it from uh, you know, a life and, and work standpoint. So from a nutrition and exercise standpoint, you know, I'm 41, I'm six foot seven, I'm probably 225 pounds. I, you know, meditate daily and, and I meditate for 20 minutes and I, you know, do Vedic meditation or, or TM. Um, you know, I repeat a mantra over and over silently 
Um, I do yoga twice a week for 15 minutes a day, and I'll go lift weights once a week. Um, and so how could, and that's what I can do. That's what works for me. It's a lifestyle that works for me rather than me trying to say like, I'm going to run a mile every day or three miles. Like it just doesn't work. I just, it doesn't fit within my life. Um, and so how could what's good for me, like possibly be good for like a five foot two, 18 year old woman who runs 10 miles a day? Right. Like that's insane. And so when we talk about fitness and nutrition, like it's just insane that like this one size fits all approach where there's a silver bullet approach where like what's good for you is good for everyone. Like that's just insane. And so what I've also found there is, you know, we change as we grow. And so in my 20s, I, 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 I joke that I thrived on a low carb, uh, you know, high martini and steak diet. Uh, even though I didn't really thrive, but like that, that worked. And I got really into yoga when yoga saved my life and my, my thirties and then became vegetarian and then vegan. And then I got a parasite and basically went paleo to help recover from that. And now I would say I'm like a conscious omnivore and, and, you know, I, I eat, you know, I try to eat mostly vegetables, but like I still eat meat every once in a while, uh, and eat fish. Um, but it's this idea I've changed, I've evolved. So like, I think throughout our lifetimes, like we have different needs and, and we, and that changes. And, you know, unless, you know, for serious health reasons, or you just know that you can't, you have to be all in and some people, you know, function that way. I believe in, in this middle path and, and finding what works for you and, and, and creating a lifestyle that's sustainable because otherwise if you go all in on something, you know, and, and you become obsessive about it, you know, yeah. you're going to burn out and then it becomes really tough, you know, mentally. Um, and, and it's not sustainable. And, and, you know, this, this idea of the, the middle path, you know, and finding balance is I think the only thing that's sustainable. It's like you know, this is this idea of like, uh, you know, creating a life versus yeah. uh, trying to jam uh, a diet or nutrition, you know, a square peg into a round hole. Um, and then on the, the work side, you know, it's just also this blend of, um, you know, working your butt off, but also being able to let go. And so I think a lot of people professionally fall into, you know, if you're a type A, you probably fall into the camp where you're just used to just charging ahead and charging ahead and banging down doors and making shit happen and powering through. And I think that you need that. Like I believe in having a strong work ethic and I believe in making things happen. Um, but there also comes moments where, you know, you're trying to jam down this door, but it's just not opening. And at those moments you need to let go and take a step back and, you know, whether, whatever, whatever religion you, you believe in or don't believe in this ability to like acknowledge that there's something bigger than you and let go and like have that awareness and, and, and say like, okay, like, is this the right door here? Or maybe it's like the door to my left. Like it, it's, am I doing the right thing? And so, you know, and people, what also happens is people also tend to fall in the other camp where they're not trying to jam, <laughs> jam open that door. You know, they're, lit, they're lying on a couch saying, you know, I'm going to manifest it or I'm going to do affirmations and that's going to bring me success. Uh, but that doesn't, you have to put forth the effort. Yeah. So once again, it's the middle path. Like you have to work hard, 
but you have to be able to let go and you have to believe and you have to believe in something greater than yourself. And it's that combination. It's really difficult. You know, it's working hard and letting go. Yeah. The, I, I want to get to this in a second, but the believe chapter of your book was, was really my favorite. I think where you talk about that a lot and that I think that's why religion exists. That's why spirituality exists, that there's so much that isn't in our control and we have to just deal with that in life and those things help us or they help me (laughs) yeah yeah but going back really quick to the first part of your answer focusing on the body and the physical and I just love what you're talking about about balance and and essentially moderation and you know I, I often say here that sometimes extremes are easy and moderation is the challenge and I know for me that kind of was the case for me and I think a lot of people kind of enter the wellness world and they're so excited and they're like oh cool veganism or this or that or whatever and they just want to go all in and then it's like and food combining and oil pulling and you know like every type of like thing you could get because we just get it's new and it's exciting and then I think kind of the moderation can sometimes come later after that and that's why I think your book is so great because hopefully people can go right into the moderation and you know something I often say that really is like a different way of saying the tagline or the headline or whatever that's called of your book is that I'm always just like you know, try to make your life as a whole really beautiful, not just your body, you know, and like you say, or not just your resume. Um, and it's really the same, it's the same concept for both. And so do you think, you know, from being really such a huge leader in the wellness um, space, especially online and in and, and media, um, would you say that that's something that you see where people really go all in and then kind of have to peel back and be like, wait a minute, but pleasure and enjoying life and all of those things and then add that back in? Yeah, I see both. You know, I, I see people definitely going all in and, and really going for it, then peeling it back, which I think is fine. And, and I think that, that that's that, that's great. Yeah. But it, it, once again, it comes back to this idea of like, you got to find what works for you. Uh, I know some people who are all in and they just have to be all in and that works for them. Like they, they know that they knew who they are. They know their strengths and their weaknesses or, and, and that's okay. Uh, but I think for some people who are looking to, to get started, the, the idea of all in is scary. Yeah. Um, and so how do you start? It's like, how do you make incremental change? And, and to me, it all comes down to like, okay, I'm looking to live my best life. And, and I go back to these pillars, mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, and environmental well-being. So like looking at those pillars, which are sort of broken into different chapters of wealth and like drilling down and like, and saying like, okay, like this makes sense. Like I can do this. Like here, here are these things that I can do on a daily basis that like will make a big difference, but, but, they're, but they're not big changes to my day. They're not big changes to, you know, how I live my life. And I think, you know, often the hardest step is the, is the first one and the smallest one. And to me, you know, it's, it's life and success and happiness and, and all those things are, you know, mostly a series of small steps. Typically, it's not like one huge monumental one, although sometimes it is. But I think typically for people, it's a series of small steps and small decisions. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting that it can be either way. I guess, you know, in my case, it was really like going all in and then kind of peeling back and finding what works. And I think a lot of, like you were saying at the beginning with, you know, 
some what works for you is it going to work for me and it's not going to work for maybe someone listening we all have to create you know the jason diet or the katie diet or you know really personalize our wellness practices to ourselves and and how we get there it really doesn't matter but i think I know for me, I wanted to just read a Mind Body Green article telling me exactly what to eat and how much to meditate and how many chia seeds and all of those things. But really, you have to, it's so individual and you have to figure it out for yourself. And, and that's, that's the process. Those things are just inspiration and what worked for someone else. But you really have to apply it on your own and, and figure it out. That's just something that, that I've learned. And I think it really speaks to your book of empowering people to do that. Yeah, you know, to me, it's all about finding what works for you. You know, we're all so different. Our DNA, our makeup, our height, our weight, our job, our, you know, everything. And so it comes down to, I just am such a big believer in that. I can't stress it enough. It's, it's finding what works for me that's sustainable and is part of my life and something that, that I'm excited about because I, you know, I, I also believe if you're not excited about it, you're just not going to do it. Like yeah. I hate, I hate running. I absolutely hate running. Like the last time I ran was my last basketball game, mm-hmm. you know, 20 years ago, my wife loves running. So like for her running makes a lot of sense to be part of her routine. For me, it doesn't cause I would dread it and I just would not do it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I love yoga. So that makes sense. I love meditation. That makes sense. And, and it comes back, you know, life's too short and, you should whatever you're doing you should really try to enjoy it because otherwise it's just you'll you'll end up quitting yeah totally so how long have you been meditating and doing tm so i've been doing vedic like for two years now like pretty you know i never miss a day sometimes I, i don't do twice a day but uh i always always do once a day and it's really been incredible yeah yeah me too that chapter of your book or well the believe chapter of your book like i said was one of my favorites for sure and i want to just tell people too that it's broken down in all these really cool chapters eat move believe heal love and they're all they're all really pretty short and at the end of them there's these bulleted items um that say like a quick deposit in your wealth account i think that's what it says yep and they're it's really great. It kind of sums up the chapter in, in like a really nice way. But one of the things um, you mentioned in the belief section was about meditation and visualization. So I, I would love, and obviously it's a part of your life like we've been talking about, but I would love to know, you know, with this book launch going on, which is such a busy thing, and this is probably like the biggest, you know, thing of your personal career that, you, that you've done so far. Yeah. Um, how is that going for you? And like, how are you taking care of yourself during that? And, and what was the process of writing the book like? Sure. Uh, so it's definitely, as I joke, this is a, a big side project from, you know, <laughs> running a startup yeah. and being the CEO. Uh, it, it, there is a lot I've done. I was just on the West Coast. I've been traveling. I've already done like seven or eight events. I'm doing a lot of interviews. Uh, it's 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 a lot, and sometimes it's emotionally exhausting. But I also it's an incredible opportunity and something I also am very you know aware of. Like I wrote a book, like that's awesome. Yeah, I want so to enjoy cool. this. So even though I have moments where I'm like I'm just so tired, like I, I just really want to be aware and, and like you know take 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 those those few moments and just really recognize and enjoy that this thing is happening and that's special and and, and don't lose sight of that. Yeah. Um, so, so that's 
definitely uh, <laughs> a, a part of it. And I think the way I've been, you know, taking care of myself, you know, once again, I think is, is largely been meditation. You know, I think it's something that's, you know, I meditated this afternoon um, between interviews and uh, I, I just can't stress it enough, this idea, you know, I think this idea of stress, you know, I'm talking about the, the stress of, of running a company and being in a book tour, uh, but the reality is everyone has stress. Right. You know, stress follows you wherever you are. Stress, you know, if you think, you know, all I need to do is this, whether it's, you know, if I have this, you know, this house or this job or if I accomplish this thing, everything will be easier. Like, sure, like there, there are things that, you know, when they happen and, and you know, Money can help and resources can help, absolutely, but stress just changes. You know, you're, it, it, it changes, you have different problems, uh, you know, stress just never goes away. You just, you have to, you have to manage it. Uh, and so that, that's been a big thing for me in my meditation practice as I've, as I've gone through this process. Um, and then the other question you were asking about how the book came about. Well, that is, I'm curious about too, but also I'd oh. love to hear about your writing process with having, you know, a huge oh, yeah. full-time job. How did you fit that in and what was that like? Yes. Uh, so the advice I got was write as much as you can whenever you have time and do not go back and edit. And so what I did was every time I flew, I still travel a lot, unfortunately, uh, two summers ago. Every time I flew, I did not opt for the Wi-Fi on the flight. I just sat and wrote. Cool. And by the end of the summer, I had, I think, like 50,000 words. Wow. Uh, no editing. And then, you know, went back with my literary agent and really, you know, did some editing and, and honed it and had a proposal. And so... You know, a lot of the book is, it's a prescriptive memoir, so a lot of it's memoir where I just truly just sat down and wrote from the heart and didn't look back. <laughs> and I think uh, writing is something you just have to, you know, put your head down and do. There's this great quote, uh, I forget who the, the writer was, but he, uh, the quote is, it's, you know, he's asking, like, people ask, like, when do you write? Like, you know, only when inspiration strikes. And the, the line is, inspiration strikes precisely every day at 9 a.m. Yeah, I've heard that, too. It's like Somerset Maud, I think. Um, but so every time I flew, I wrote. I just went down, heads down, and wrote and wrote and wrote. Cool. Yeah, that's um, my favorite time to journal, actually, is is on planes. And I, like, wish there wasn't an option for for Wi-Fi sometimes because I really enjoyed that that time when I couldn't be connected and yep. I and forced me to to do it and I totally understand about you know not waiting for inspiration to hit and just writing I think the writing process probably for you with the memoir was probably pretty cathartic are you I have a book coming out in April about journaling and so I always Congratulations. like to ask, thank you I always like to ask people about the writing process and then about journaling. Do, have you been a journaler ever in your life? And did no. This... <laughs> <laughs> Will you be now after writing? How did it feel for you to like process this through process your life through writing? 
it was good. It, it was, I, I, you know, enjoyed it. I think the one thing I've learned and just in general and blogging and writing, uh, when something does hit, you just really have to write. So if I ever do another book or whether it's a blog post, like when you have an idea or like, you know, when inspiration quote unquote does strike, you really have to just go and do it. Yeah. You can't wait, wait, like you need to go. And I've just found that too, like in business and life, if I'm, if I'm going for a walk and there's an idea, whether it's business related or put like, I have to take the notes. Yeah. I have to get it out because otherwise you lose it. Yeah. Yeah. My book is actually called Let It Out because. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Because I felt I felt like that before where you're almost like pregnant with an idea. And that thank God there's a note section in my phone because I always have to, you know, just like write something down quick and I can get back to it later or, you know, an idea that sometimes turns into a blog post. Sometimes it's something for that, you know, is an idea for a podcast or sometimes it's just, you know, for me in my journal, but I totally know that feeling. Yep. It's important. Got to do it. Yeah. And And then also, you know, sharing vulnerably about yourself in the book. Like, I feel like I know you really well because I read the book and I (laughs) I feel like I know, like, everything about your life. Like, how how are you feeling about that being out in the world and and everyone being able to consume that and have that? Like, are you excited about it? Like, what are your thoughts? Uh, You know, I, I thought it was important. I, you know, I think once again... I, I want to attract people who may not pick up a book about self-improvement. And I thought it was really important to be vulnerable, to be honest, to show how imperfect I am, especially because in this day and age with social media, yeah. I think we project a lot of perfection, specifically in this in health and wellness and self-improvement. Yeah. So I wanted to, like I, I joke, I think I am... Uh, you know, exceptionally unexceptional in a lot of ways. Like I think I am relatable and normal. I was a normal person (laughs) Uh, with the exception of being six foot seven and, (laughs) you know, had insecurities, had these things I've dealt with, things that, you know, some things I regret, some things I don't. And I've, you know, was not perfect, far from it. And I really wanted to get that across because I think a lot of what we show out there is just pure perfection and people that are unrelatable. So I just really wanted to get the point across that I'm, I'm a normal guy, just like you, or if you're a girl, like, you know, I wanted people to know me and, and, you know, I am very much that guy who, if you maybe saw at a bar, you'd have a drink with and say hello and strike up a conversation. Like I'm just, I'm just like everyone else. So I think that's so important because you're right, especially in this digital social media age, it, people guruize people, or I don't yep. even know if that's like a term, but it should be because I did that, and I wish that I would have had this book a couple years back. It would have saved me a lot of stress about thinking like, oh, this person I look up to and respect would never eat that, and I, you know, I can't make choices based on what I want to do. I'm I'm focused on what everyone else is doing, 
And this book really, like you said, it's a bunch of books in one and it's not even that long, you know? And I think, yeah, I think it's really good. So I want to talk about the love chapter. That was one that I, I really liked. And I'm really obsessed with this concept of having two romantic soulmates and then a third soulmate friend mate that I think you talk about in Mm -hmm. that chapter. Um, So could you talk about that idea for everyone listening and how those people have played out in your life? I really liked that concept. Sure. You know, I think we need to, I think, you know, soulmates, it's something a lot of people have opinions on. It's, you know, you're, you either, you know, you think you have one or you want one. And I, 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 I think we're thinking about soulmates in the wrong way. And I think it comes back to operating from a place of abundance and, you know, so going back to the two types of, of romantic soulmates, um, you know, I, th- I think there's the soulmate that is that painful relationship that, you know, helps us get from A to B. It's the one where we grow a lot, uh, maybe not in the way we, we want to, but uh, we grow from that relationship. And those relationships can often be painful and, and uh but they're important, and it goes back to this idea of uh, at the time, you know, the great Steve Jobs quote: "You can only connect the dots, yeah. uh, you know, going going backward, not looking forward." I say that all the time on this podcast after people tell their stories because it's oh, so great. cool to see that. Yeah, so I love that you said that because I literally say it like almost every podcast. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so I think those are the types of relationships where at the time they're painful, and you're like, "Oh my God, this person broke my heart," or you know, "This is why are they doing this? This is terrible. Why is this happening?" Mm-hmm. But you can look back, and and sometimes it takes a while where you can say like, "Oh wow, like I learned so much, and this is how I grew." And so I think that's the that's the soulmate, the painful one that that gets us from A to B, but but are important in our journey. Um, you know, I think it's funny, like Gary Zukov, who wrote Seat of the Soul, sort of frames up soulmates that way. Like he believes that they, you know, get you from A to B on your spiritual journey. Um, and then there's a second type of soulmate, the, the other romantic kind, which I believe is, you know, the, the fairy tale soulmate. It's the kind that, uh, you know, that makes you better, the kind that doesn't bring out your insecurities, probably like the first one, but the one that makes you feel more secure, the one that, uh, you know, I believe you're meant to be with forever. The kind that, uh, you know, when, when one and one maybe equals one and a half in the first type of soulmate, one and one I think equals three. Uh, and, and, I, and I do believe in that, that type of soulmate. Um, and I will add to you that, like, I do believe soulmates can, you know, make you make you better as a person but I, I don't think I think you can be very happy without one I think it's sort of the icing on the cake so to speak mm-hmm. um, and then there's the third type of soulmate which I think you know or they're abundant the non-romantic soulmate in, in all of our lives the kind you know whether it's the you know the friend you've known forever who you know you can lose touch with and then you reconnect with and you pick up right where you left off or the people you know who were in your life at precisely like the right time who you know you connect with and help you you know get to wherever you need to go um, you know spiritually in your life and 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 they're out there they're they're everywhere and I think you know once again it's like reframing this idea like soulmate is not I think most people think of the soulmate as like the second kind like that one romantic kind like you know that, that we see in the movies and 
and sure, yeah, I, I think I think that's there, but I also think there are other types of soulmates, and, and once again, it goes back to like reframing how we think about that and operating from you know a thought process centered around abundance and not deficit. Yeah, I think it's so important that that whole chapter was in your book because that's kind of an aspect that I and again going back to like the digital social media age that we live in, I think community and tribe kind of gets lost and you can build that online but you really need those people in real life that you can like touch and squeeze and snuggle and like bring you soup when you're sick and even though it's great to have them online I think just I'm really glad that that part was in your book too to cultivate that because it's so important oh good that's good to hear yeah and it often gets gets lost I feel too so the last chapter in your book, um, this isn't a spoiler alert, but it's called Laugh. And yep. obviously you think that um, laughter is a key to overall a wealthy life. But I would love if you could um, answer a question from my favorite comedian that he asks on his podcast. <laughs> and what is the hardest time that you, or the time you've laughed the hardest? There's oh, one wow. in your book that actually made me LOL, if you can't think of one. Yeah. Um, God, I laugh a lot. <laughs> um, I, uh, I'd have to go with the one in the book, but I don't want to give that one away. Okay, well, t- that, that's perfect. That's perfect. That'll really help people to go get the book because I was just kind of like skimming that. It's on literally the last page, and I was just like skimming it. And I wasn't expecting, like, the story to be that funny. And then I was like, oh, my God, it's so funny. So we'll just, yeah, we'll tease that, and everyone should go read that part for sure. Good. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, so I have a couple more more questions, but I want to kind of go back to Mind, Body, Green, because I feel like I kind of skimmed over that and, and got into the book quicker, and which is fine. But I want to hear a little bit more about its inception and what that time was like for you, because I think, as far as I know, I feel, or I guess maybe it's just me and what I was into, but you were the first user-generated content site that I really followed, and or one of the, and I feel like that model has been replicated in different niches now so many times, and it just continues to grow and grow and grow. Um, and as a contributor, I love the concept of you're really giving people a platform to share their work. Um, so I would love if you could talk about, you know, like kind of how that idea came to be of helping to empower other people. And then as it continues to grow, I would love to know your, you know, kind of vision for it as the landscape of online media evolves as well. Sure. Uh, so it, it happened accidentally, uh, you know, I went on, I was on my health journey and I started blogging. I would do like a blog post every day. And I was smart enough to know I didn't know everything. And so I'm on my health journey. I'm, me- I'm meeting all these amazing people, these doctors, these yogis, these nutritionists. And, you know, a lot of them became some of my closest friends. And somewhere along the way, you know, it kept on coming up where, where they would say, you know, do you accept guest posts? <laughs> um, I think Huffington Post was the only show in town back then. And I said, sure. And a couple of them started the guest blog. Uh, Tara was probably one of our first guest bloggers. Uh, and it seemed like a good idea. And it just sort of steamrolled. And more and more people I started to meet. And more and more people started the guest blog. And then 
and then it you know we kept on growing and growing and and you know where we are today uh we have 4000 contributors who who write for us around the around the world um and so I, I think the thing that you know has separated us from the pack uh we also do original content also so we have a whole editorial team and we're doing more original content uh but it's a couple things one is you know we believe in quality over quantity so we don't you know we we really believe you know we we have to put out great content and so we edit stuff, we turn stuff down, we go back and forth, like we, tr we try not to be repetitive and run the same stuff over and over. So like we really work hard at like giving our, our community of, of readers and people who you know, watch videos like the best content. Um, whereas I think a lot of people who do user generated just like pump, pump it out. And I think that's ultimately not a good thing for anyone. Uh, so we call it curated user generated. So that, that's like one distinction. And then you know, I think from the community standpoint, um, community has always been, you know, one part of our values. Like if you come to our office, it's on the wall. It's something that's really important to us. And so we, we try to, you know, embrace that. And, I, and it comes from an authentic place. You know, community is in our DNA. That's how this site started. Um, there was no master plan. <laughs> it, just, it just sort of happened. And you know, we love our community and, and it's something we constantly think about here. And what does that look like as we grow? Like, what are those relationships looks like? Like, how do we support the community? And so, um, you know, that, that, that's how it sort of happened. And community is everything. And it's, you know, I, I, I love our community. It's so amazing to, you know, connect with people who are doing great things in the world and are inspiring. And it just sort of, you know, it, it keeps us going. So I, I, love our community and I, I love where we've we've gone and where we're going and um, it's just sort of really uh, fulfilling to see us uh, touch people's lives and be part of it with a larger community of like-minded people yeah well I'm happy to be one of those 4,000 like I yes, said yes you are yeah <laughs> there's this one post that I wrote that ironically was the first one I ever wrote for Mind Body Green like three or four years ago and and I've written a bunch since then but for whatever reason that one gets more like still to this day it will get like tweeted and for whatever reason it like went like I don't want to say viral but like a lot of people read it and commented and shared it which is so cool but it was about morning routines and oh yeah 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 and it's um I think it was like 14 ways to start and end your day with joy or Nin something like 19 that. ideas 19 yeah 38, 39,000 shares. Wow. Nice. Oh, my gosh. That's so cool. That's so cool that you know of it. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, yeah, it was so cool, and it brought a lot of people to my blog and my podcast, so I'm forever grateful for you and Mind Body Green because that that's was so awesome. cool. Yeah, yeah. It was, like, really the first, like, big thing that I wrote, which is right so at, Right out of the gate. Yeah, the first time right I Right out of the gate, 39,000. I know, and unfortunately, I've written a bunch since then, none of them, like, now they all have to live up to that one, which is, like, big shoes it's, to fill. Oh, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> Facebook has been, it's uh, Facebook and social media. No one quite gets, gets the shares they used to anymore, but yeah. that's okay. But it was definitely fun. I was like, what is happening? This is so cool. That's awesome. And then, like, a few, like, months later, it would be the same thing, and over, it was super cool. I loved it. I still do. It's probably will happen. I'll put it in the show notes and it'll probably happen again. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just a couple more serious questions before we get to the quick fire ones. But 
something that we talk about a lot on this podcast is body image. Um, since, you know, that was my biggest struggle and a lot of the women that listen struggle with that. And I think, you know, in the wellness movement, it can kind of, which, you know, you, you and I both are, are such a big part of, I think, like we were kind of mentioning, without getting into moderation, it can be, there can be some dangers with the isolation and being obsessed with it and it can kind of become almost a new class system so are there any um ways that you really break things down or advice for people to in the last you know years that you've been talking about this in a really inclusive way is are there any ways that you can see as the wellness industry grows and grows and grows you know how to prevent that from happening and like I would my question is you know where do you see the wellness and holistic health space in say 10 years and you know where would you like to see it in relation to those things that we were talking about earlier well there's a lot of so there's so with body image um I will start with I think it's really important for people to be grateful for where they're at um you know I I if people have goals that's fine, but I think you have to be grateful for, for your body and where you're at and what you have. I think, once again, like this idea of, of looking at, you know, perfection over, perceived perfection over there or here is dangerous. And, um, you know, there, there's always going to be someone uh, who's got more money. There's always going to be someone who's better looking. There's always going to be someone who's got, you know, better abs or whatever the hell it is you're measuring. It's just a really dangerous game that will lead you down a a dark and dangerous and self-destructive path. Uh, So on body image, I would, I would emphasize that (laughs) in terms of like the holistic health world and where it's going. Uh, what I think is particularly exciting is this, this idea of Eastern meets Western. So a lot of things that, you know, quote unquote Eastern that we talk about and practice things like meditation and yoga and nutrition and eating more plants and, and practices like acupuncture and, and the power of the mind and healing, uh, science is catching up in all these places. And so, I think that's really exciting when science comes along and there's a study and there's research which says things like, you know, there is a connection between the mind and body and there's research that, that they're in fact one, uh, or the idea of like your microbiome, like your gut bacteria has an influence, which is like influenced by nutrition as like a direct correlation between like health and longevity. Like these are all exciting things. So that when we talk about things like, you know, eat your spinach or you should do meditation when science can, can back that up, I think that's really powerful. And I think we're just getting started there. And this idea of, you know, technology and science catching up with all these practices, um, these holistic practices is, is kind of awesome and exciting. Cool. Very cool. So now um, some fun, personal, quick fire questions. Okay, so, I'm ready. You ready? Just say like the first thing that, that comes to your mind for these. So walk us through your typical morning routine, some of the specifics, first couple of things you do when you wake up in the morning and how that affects how the rest of your day goes. Sure. So I wake up, uh, don't set the alarm. I tend to wake up around 7 a.m. I will ideally brush my teeth and then hop back into bed and sit up straight. And I will meditate for 20 minutes, repeating my mantra silently over and over. Then hop out of bed. I will make my smoothie which 
is I call it almond chocolate thunder. It is almond milk, almond butter, chocolate protein powder, and frozen blackberries. And I'll put that in the Vitamix. And then a little bit of thunder. Yep. Yep. Um, and then I will have black coffee with maybe a little bit of almond milk sometimes. I absolutely love coffee. Uh, and we'll drink the coffee and then grab the Wall Street Journal and I'll read that with my wife Colleen and I love the print edition so like read the paper then check email around then I, I will not if I check email the first thing out of bed it just it, it's just never good uh, not that I get bad emails in the morning but like your day begins once that happens mm-hmm. like work begins um, and so I try to avoid that till around like reading the paper and then I will, uh, you know, get dressed and, and walk with my wife to work. We, we work together, which is, which is nice. Uh, and our work is only four blocks away from, from our apartment. So we have a nice commute. Nice. That's so cool. I follow her and both of you on Instagram. Oh, <laughs> So now what about the evening routines and the evening rituals, the last few things you guys do before bed? And maybe you could even weave into this question I've been really great tonight about asking you like 12 questions in one and you've been like rolling with it. So in that one, go with how I would really love to know how you two work together and then, you know, switch that off at the end of the day and just go back into being in your relationship. Sure. So like we we work pretty well together. Uh, What's so great, we're so both passionate. We're so passionate about wellness, our life and some of our closest friends or people in the wellness industry. And it's our life. Like we're really passionate about it. Uh, That can be a problem because we're so passionate about what we do. We tend to work a lot and we, we, we tend to never shut off. So it's something we're aware of, you know, we, we have to catch ourselves every once in a while and say like, okay, no more work for tonight. And, and like, try to like watch, you know, house of cards on Netflix or something like that to sort of de-stress, um, and wind down. Um, but like, we both see that as a blessing. Like we love what we do. We're so passionate. Uh, we actually work well together. We, we work very differently and it's complimentary. Um, but you know, we have to watch out for working too much. It's a good problem to have. Um, How we wind down is, you know, is different. Uh, I can, you know, I, I, I can just let anything go for the most part at night. So, like, whether that's, I could drink, like, you know, a large coffee. I could be working on the serious Excel spreadsheet and then just shut it off and go to bed. Whereas Colleen is very different. She needs to, like, wind down. Um, so, I have that ability which to sort of put things away mentally which I think meditation has helped and I think is absolutely a necessity if you're an entrepreneur because you're there's always something that's hanging over your head there's always information you don't have what you would want there's always ambiguity so it's I, I've, I've gotten quite good at being very comfortable with ambiguity and being able to like mentally store things away at night so at night, I can just sort of shut it off. Whenever I'm done, I'd say every night is different. But I, when, I, when I'm done, I'm done. I shut it off, and I can go to bed. <laughs> cool. Uh, what's your favorite color? Columbia blue. Oh, this is, this is a good one. Transition <laughs> to the next question. So do you still follow basketball? I do. Are you, did you make a bracket for I did March not. Madness? No? I did not. I do did you, not. Do you still, um, like, 
watch your team and go back and cheer? I went to a game at Columbia this year. Columbia was pretty good, uh, but Yale was better. Yale had the big ups- upset this year. Uh, in the first round, they beat, they beat Deller. Um, so, I, yeah, I still watch basketball. I actually watch a lot more NBA than college. I feel like college has gotten uh, a little bit worse. <laughs> but I love the NBA and will watch games when I can. Uh, not a ton, but I enjoy watching. I actually, when I was in San Francisco, I was able to go to a Golden State Warriors game, which was a lot of fun. Do you think that the team aspect of basketball being I, – I think it's probably one of the most team sports there. I love basketball. My grandpa used to coach college basketball, so oh, I – Oh, no way. Where do you coach? Michigan State. No way. What's his name? Gus Ganakis. He's two coaches ago. Oh, wow. I love – too funny. Yeah, yeah. He's still – he's 90 years old, and he still travels with the team – and That's does the awesome. radio. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, he does the radio. Um, but anyway, so I'm really into it, and I feel like it's such a team sport. I, I grew up with it. Do you bring that into your company culture, running a huge team now? I try. Uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, I believe, you know, hiring is very hard, and uh, I actually love hiring ex-athletes. I think, you know, once again, like, there are certain things you le- you learn from from competing at a high level, uh, one is uh, a your team player. <laughs> yeah. uh, you you play well with others. Uh, you show up on time. You know little things which some people aren't good at. Uh, you work hard. Uh, like I always say, like you can't teach effort. Uh, you handle adversity. Uh, you're competitive. You know, there's a sense of urgency. Uh, you like to win. You don't like to lose. I think those things, like if you if you played college sports or athletics at a high level, like you you have those things, mm-hmm. and those are things you want in team members. So I always love. You know, we have some former college athletes here. We have a an ex Hall American lacrosse player from Princeton, and then a. a Women who played soccer at Davidson, actually where Steph Curry went. Uh, so like we, I, I love athletes. I think I think you know you learn so much about life and 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 um, being competitive and accountable from sports. So yeah, the the stuff you can't teach. Like I think I heard you say in the Lewis Howes interview that that thing that maybe your coach said to you that you can't teach height. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember hearing that, and I'm really excited to tell my grandpa about it. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, I'm going to send this podcast that I do with Jason to my grandpa, because I think he'll actually listen to this one. He'll like I it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited about it. So, hi, Poppy, because he's probably listening now. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so, okay, a couple more questions. Favorite vegetable? Brussels sprouts. Favorite fruit? Avocado. Favorite hour of the day? Hmm. I like so many. <laughs> that's a good thing. Yeah, I, I I like all of them. I don't know if I can. Okay, that's okay. Um, favorite day of the week. Friday is always fun. What are you scared of, but you're doing anyway to challenge yourself right now? Uh I don't really get scared, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I don't think you can if you do what I do. Um, the unknown doesn't 
really scare me. And I think the biggest challenge entrepreneurs have is moving ahead and not and, and moving into the unknown and never having enough information. Mm. So. Cool. What's the best meal you've eaten in the last week? Oh, wow. I, in San Francisco, I lived in San Francisco for a year uh, with my wife and we've, we live in New York now and we were just there and there's this great place called La Taqueria, which is this old school taqueria in the mission in San Francisco, which is like a total dive, but they have the most amazing tacos and the ingredients are like so fresh and it's cheap and like it was just so great to go back there and get like a great taco with like huge, you know, tons of beans and guacamole. And oh, it was just man. like amazing. Um, so that was like the best meal I had. Now I'm like hardcore craving Mexican food for today. Yeah, I think <laughs> I have to do that too. Sounds so good. What's your ideal day look like? Uh, you know, it differs, but, you know, I love waking up and getting meditation in and having, you know, reading the paper with my wife and walking together together and having, like, a great productive day at work and then, you know, going out for, like, a nice dinner somewhere. Um, there's a great Mexican spot, actually, <laughs> or in uh, a couple blocks away from our office, uh, which we love going to, and that's sort of, like, a nice, a nice, a nice day during the week. So. Cool. Nice. Um, if you could have a superhero power for a day, what would it be and why? Wow. Uh, I think everyone will want the ability to like see into the future, right? Everyone usually says fly. That's like the go-to one, but I think oh, see into fly. the future is super cool. Yeah. Or I always say like my favorite superhero is Batman cause he's like a real person. Yeah. He's got no superpowers. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> So you're having a dinner party and you can invite five people. What would you make? Who would you invite? And what do you hope someone would turn and ask you? And what do you really hope that they don't ask you that you just don't feel like talking about? Oh, wow. So I would definitely have a lot of chips and guacamole. Um, definitely nice. have mar margaritas. Um, I would have my family. I would have my wife. I would have my mother, I would do, I don't know, there's a lot of people I'd want to throw in there. Uh, what would, Tara. Tara, Mike, um, there, there's a lot of, I mean, I have to say my, that's, that's I'm five. happy to come with the. You, you can come, you're in, <laughs> you're in. Um, what I'll would bring we, some guac, I make a mean guac. There you go. Um, what do we want to talk about? Um, I don't know, you know, I, I'd see where the conversation goes. <laughs> nice. Anything that you just won't feel like talking about that you feel like you have to talk about all the time? Uh, no, I, I think I'm pretty, uh, I'm fairly open, so. Nice. What's the best advice you've ever gotten? Uh, don't settle. Mm from my mother. Don't settle for less. Cool. Where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up on Long Island in Manhasset. Oh, okay, cool. 
So you're trapped on, speaking of an island, you're trapped on a deserted island, and you can only bring with you one person, one TV show to binge watch, one movie, one food, and one book. So I'd bring my wife, uh, show, I don't know, uh, The practical answer would be something like survival related. Yeah. Um, at like the moment, Survivor. yeah, or one of those uh, do-it-yourself shows yeah. about. Um, it, it, but at the moment, I would probably say House of Cards because that's what I'm binge watching right now. Nice. Um, book, you know, I'd probably have to go to like, uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Maybe the Bible, just because I haven't read it since I was like a kid, and it's a just, lot of people say that for this. And it's so deep, and yeah. there's so many stories, and you can interpret it. Like it could, keep, it could keep you busy for a very, very long time. Yeah, that's a good practice. You don't want to bring like The Alchemist, which is a great book, but you'll plow through, and then yeah, you know. <laughs> Uh, where Charlie Knowles said uh, he would bring the Bible and wealth. Those would be his two books. And nice. Charlie said that publicly. Um, and I just love, love avocados and guacamole. So I would just be all over that on the island. That's perfect. That actually sounds pretty fun. So um, what is your favorite movie or a movie that you can recommend, a movie you've been liking recently or anything in that category? Uh, hmm. What have I seen recently? Um, or a favorite that just like from forever. I really liked uh, the film Joy. Oh, me too. It really. Yeah. After I watched it, I swear I was just like so inspired, and I just like felt like such a boss, and I wanted to just like get stuff done. Yeah, talk about like adversity and willpower. Yeah, a great it story. Really inspired me. I thought yeah. it was really well done. Yeah, I really like that one. What about in music? What song that you've been like listening to on repeat lately, or one that you just really uh, like from forever? I love all sorts of music. Uh, I love the Grateful Dead. I love the Beach Boys. Actually, I saw the the, Bri the Brian Williams documentary. Oh yeah, with, um, uh, John Cusack mm -hmm. on the documentary. Like I love that. That was exceptional. Uh, so like I'll go with that. That and Joy for movies and like the song that like you know I just go back to Pet Sounds and how amazing that album was. And I'll I'll go with like uh, at the moment God only knows that song is just so cool. great. Yeah, totally. So what's your favorite thing about your life right now? Uh, I, I just am so blessed to do what I do. I love, I, I love my body green. I love the community. I love the amazing people we meet. I just, uh, you know, everything. So I'm, I'm pretty happy. Cool. What advice would you give to your 25-year-old self? Uh, it'll all be okay. It just may take a while. Phew. Good. <laughs> um, all right. Last question. Thank you so much for being here, Jason. This has been great. So as you know, the name of my blog and the name of this podcast is The Wellness Wonderland. So yep. when I offer that to you to live in a wellness wonderland, what comes up? What does that mean to you? I think it's our office. <laughs> <laughs> I need to come to your office. Yeah. If you're in New York, come by. I'm going to uh, be there in, um, for my book launch on April in the first week of April. Oh yeah. She doesn't know. Come by. Cool. Uh, our office is great. You know, we have a hundred plants. We have all this like great art with 
featuring people in our community. We have a meditation room. We've got coconut water. We've got gluten-free beer. Oh my uh, gosh. We've got books. It's, you know, I, I, I love it. So our wellness wonderland, wellness wonderland <laughs> is my buddy green headquarters in Brooklyn. That's so cool. Well, yeah, it sounds a lot like my office where there's only one of us. <laughs> that's good. Sometimes but that's good. I do have a lot of plants, so if they count. <laughs> awesome. Well, this was so great. I really genuinely love your book, like I said. And thank you so much for coming on the show. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Awesome. Thank you so much, Katie. Thanks for listening. You made it all the way to the end. I'll be back next week, but until then, let's stay inspired and keep this conversation going. So tweet at me, at Katie Dalebout, and our guest with your aha moments from this conversation. And like the Wellness Wonderland on Facebook, so we can all hang out there and discuss how inspired we are and how we'll apply it in our daily lives. And never miss another episode or post from me by signing up for email updates on thewellnesswonderland.com. See you back in Wonderland.